Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Head over to thebridgelive.org and find access to all of our church information. Plus, it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at the Bridge Church. But most importantly, I hope you find the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey, getting from where you are to where you want to be. Cross that bridge. Enjoy. All right. This is Authentic Faith Part 2 today. Goes with our banner. Um, Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. We'll start there. Uh, If you need a handout, they're over there. If you need a book, a three-ring binder, they're free. They're over there. If you need a promise book, a God's promise book, they are over around the corner. I found out last week after I said, yeah, they're right over there. <laughs> so, so faith, we're talking about authentic faith. What's that look like? It's kind of important uh, that we, um, we walk by faith and not by sight, that we, uh, you know, faith pleases God, all those scriptures. The thing about this series that's different than perhaps the other ones that we heard we're not talking about what faith is, all right? If, if you're looking for that answer, it's, Rome, it's uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Faith is the substance of things not seen and hoped for and all that stuff. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the actual practical working of our faith, okay? How does this thing work, and how are we supposed to do it, and what does it mean to be authentic in our faith? Uh, We're going to look at how James handled things today, but just kind of a a brief review on your handout. There's a couple of definitions. Faith is the key that releases the resources of heaven into our situation, right? And it's okay to have a need, right? And it's okay to be content, like we said earlier, Paul said, but it's okay to have a need, and it's okay to get that need met, all right? Now, authentic faith, if you were here last week, or if you watched the, the stream, or if you heard the, the podcast, uh, we're, we're defining what we're talking about as authentic faith is to stand, right? Ephesians 6, and, and, and not be moved, and to remain solid in belief, and to withstand in the fight, right? To stand in the fight. And we see, and Paul says in, in Ephesians He says in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the whole armor of God, it says, he says this, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Say stand. Stand. All right. He says stand, and he goes on there, and he says that we will be able to withstand in the evil day. All right. This might be a, a, a hint. He's talking about the evil day. And then he goes on, and he says, to having done all to, say it, we're supposed to stand. Then he goes on in Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor of God. All that armor covers the front. Sword of the Spirit is the only one that's an offensive weapon. Everything else covers you up on the front. So if you're tailing tail and running, you're going to get shot right in your butt, right, by the enemy. We are supposed to stand. So put a pin in the stand part for a second, because then we looked at Mark 11 last week. In Mark 11, it says faith, um, uh, or Mark 11 says, I say to you, whatever things you ask, okay, whatever things you ask, how many have a whatever today, right? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and, and you shall have them. And then we decided faith begins where the will of God is known. Okay? What's the will of God? The Word, right? Thank you. We put a couple of, of uh, contenders on that, that if we're going to be centered in the will of God, first thing we have to do is have faith in God and God alone. Not a pastor, not a pastor's wife, not a church. In God alone, right? That was the first prerequisite of that we have to line up with. That where are you putting your faith? Are you putting your faith in a church? Are you putting your faith in a prophet? Are you putting your faith in a, in a pastor? Are you putting a, your faith in your parents? 
Are you putting your faith in your friends? Where is your faith? You have to understand that it's not going to work anywhere but right here. The second thing we talked about is it has to line up with God's will. God's will is His Word. So when we say faith begins where the will of God is known, it sounds to me like you have to know what God's will is. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. You got to know the Word. Otherwise, you're going to be able to ask, and it's just words hitting the ceiling, right? You're not going to know anything because you don't know the Word. Everything rises and falls with God's will. That's why we had the promise book here last week. We were very practical. We talked about healing. We attached those scriptures because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. If you have a need, you need to search the scriptures to gather faith for that thing and then pray. And we prayed that prayer last week. And then we end the prayer by saying, Lord, your, wor your word says that uh, G by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I see it in the word, and I declare it, and I receive it now. That's the prayer of faith, to receive from heaven. Does that make sense? That's all last week, okay? Now, um, the, the faith begins where the will of God is known, starts with knowledge of the word, Okay? Faith becomes a part of you, okay, in your heart when you understand what it says. So we're going to locate Scripture. We're going to pray those Scriptures back to God, and then that's where the problem starts because the prayer is easy. The amen part is gravy. We even get excited about it. We may even be, man, I'm feeling good. I've got this. And then by Tuesday afternoon, you're like, I ain't got this. I got to call my pastor. It's like, no, you have it. Faith, gathering the faith is the easy part. The standing is the hard part, right? Paul wrote a letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay? He says this, he says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Boy, that sounds a lot like Galatians 5, doesn't it? Are we pursuing these things? Good place to start. Look at the next verse. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Now, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother series because he's writing to Christians and he's telling them lay hold of eternal life, meaning the blessings of God, right? which you were called and have confessed, a confession is good, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses as praying together. But I want you to notice, he, uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, stand and, he wrote to Timothy and said, fight. This is not a game. This is not fun. He's telling us clearly, you cannot even debate that. He's not saying that hell is coming. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have a hard time fighting this fight of faith, where he's, he's saying it many times, right? He's like, get ready, helleth cometh. My best King James English, and he's telling us, get ready. This is the only place God says to fight. It's a fight. How many of you understand, ever been in a fight? I'm gonna be, you know, I used to fight a lot when I was younger. I used to lose a lot when I was younger, right? And, and it was usually stupid stuff. But how many of you like to win a fight, right? The, the two fights out of the hundreds that I was in, it was great to win. You know, the kid fell right down. It was easy, right? And you catch up with that after lunch. Here's the thing, though. When we're going to be in this fight, the enemy is going to attack you into two major places. Number one, what you believe. Number two, who you are. The series after this one that we're going to start in a couple of weeks is all about your identity in Christ. Because 
the enemy, the devil, is always going to hit you where you are, and he's going to define you by your past, and he's going to throw it in your face, especially when you pray the prayer of faith. You don't qualify for that because you yelled at your wife today. Because your kids are out of control. Your house isn't in order. How can you serve at church? All these are lies, and he's going to attack who you are. And he's going to make you feel worthless, and he's going to make you feel under. He doesn't want to kill you, because if he could have killed you, he would have already. He wants to hold you down so you make no difference in the kingdom. That's what it's all about. And he's going to attack who you are, and he's going to attack what you believe. So it's the hardest part is finding those scriptures and praying them. That's the easy part. The hard part's the believing from point A to point B, from amen to seeing your faith prayer come to fruition. That's what we're talking about. Okay? Everybody good? So today I want to talk about acting on this word, getting it busy in your life, and then standing fighting and being prepared for when the onslaught comes and when you see it, because you're so groomed in knowing this word, you're going to recognize the falseness of what he's trying to do and go, I see you, devil. In the name above every name, scram. And he has to. Does that mean he's not going to be back? Is that he's going to leave you alone? You're going to have this fat, happy life? Negative. That ain't going to happen. You should know that if the, here's something that I learned a long time ago, that the devil isn't all up on you, and maybe you're not pursuing God enough, right? If the devil's not evident in your life, maybe you need to step up your, your walk a little bit, because he's going to get involved when you start making a difference. Does that make sense? So James chapter 1, this is uh, perhaps one of my favorite books. There's just, you know, from Genesis to Revelation in there somewhere. But this is so practical. And James, the, the, James wrote this book. James was Jesus' half-brother. Right? And, and it's, uh, I don't know if you know who Michael Jr. is. If you don't, look him up on YouTube. He talks about James being Jesus' little brother and growing up with Jesus. Right? He's like, why can't you be more like your brother? Right? Everybody hear that? Why can't you, you know, Jesus walked on water. Why can't you do that, James? Right? And, and the funny thing about James is he was Jesus' half-brother, and he was an unbeliever until after Jesus was killed and raised from the dead, had a post-resurrection experience with him. Then he became a believer. Interesting, huh? So here's James writing very practically. Let's start in verse 19. He says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, everybody, this good, good instruction for your life, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? And he's simply, get control of your temper. You, you are flying off the handle a little too much. Just get some control in your life. And we're going to talk about your soul in a minute, okay? Then he goes on, and that's the context for what he's going to talk about through this chapter and into the next one. So it's super important to grab that, okay? That he's talking about being angry. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive. Say, I receive. receive. With meekness, that just means teachable. You're teachable. Just some people be teachable, right? That would be so much easier. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Interesting. He's writing to Christians. James was also the pastor in Jerusalem at the church. That church was busy. Can you imagine being the, how, how much work that would be and how much he's seeing happen, how Christians aren't acting right, how they're not acting in faith, and how they must, obviously, somebody's ticked off because they cannot control their temper. And he's telling them to, that if you receive the implanted word, this is what I'm talking about when we get the promise and we pray the prayer of faith and we're believing that promise, here's our soul that's not saved where all the issues happen. Our mind, our will, and our emotions get involved. Your soul's not saved is what he's telling them. And you're blowing it. Your faith walk, your authentic faith that you believed when you said amen goes right out the window because 
obviously your soul is not saved. Amen, Pastor. Now listen, I learned this the hard way. And let me, I would, I would love to stand here and tell you that I've got this authentic faith thing on lock, but it wasn't just too long ago where I got called on the carpet by one of our overseers because I let this church in my soul. Let me explain what that looks like. What happens is when you pray the prayer of faith, pray, prayer, pray the prayer of faith, right? You, can, you say amen. You have now established something in the spiritual realm. Amen. Okay? What happens is that thing that's floating in the spiritual realm, if your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, because when you get born again, okay, your spirit is renewed and made new. Amen? Everybody knows that. Amen. Here's the problem. Your soul over here isn't. You still think the same thoughts. You still have the same addictions. You still look the same. Your mind works the same, right? Your will is still your will, all about me, all about I, all about the country song that says that, right? And your emotions are nuts. So what happens is you've got this born-again spirit praying and believing in faith, right? That, uh, the prayer of faith. But then you've got this soul over here that's not saved. Your mind's not renewed, like Paul says in Romans 12, right? Your emotions, forget it, they're all over the place because you're, you're an emotional being, according to Madonna, right? And, and your will is your will, it's not his will, okay? Does that make sense? So you're all over the place. Your soul is not saved. Do you get to go to heaven with an unsaved soul? Of course, you get in, but you don't get to operate in the benefits that the prayer of faith and authentic faith operate in here because your soul is all over the place. My example is this. I had a church that was struggling, and the numbers just weren't there, and I was looking at the numbers, and I was looking at the offering, and I was wringing my hands. I'm like, how are we ever going to get to the next level? If nobody's coming, we're doing something wrong. It's the music. It's the building. It's me. It's her, it's our family, we're just not meant to do this. What's happening? My freaking soul is running my spiritual life, and it's causing all kinds of chaos in my head. And one of our overseers said, hey, you're out of line. I'm like, I'm out of what? She said, you're out of line. Your soul is operating, is running your spirit. And Paul clearly says in the Word of God that you're supposed to be spirit-led, not soul-led. And I'm like, what's that mean? And she just explained everything I just explained to you. So here's the key to operating in authentic faith. According to what James is telling us, get control of your soul. Don't be led by your emotions. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? So we're going to believe the word of God. That's what we just prayed. Being spirit-led, right? And, and here's, the, here's the biggest thing I learned in this whole process about controlling my soul. Just shut up. Just shut your mouth. Because we'll pray the prayer of faith for healing and be like, well, I sure hope so. I'll be talking to somebody after, or I hope God comes through on this one because we really need this money. It's like, well, if you're hoping, you're not in faith, right? We just prayed the prayer of faith. You're going to shut the hole under your nose, and you're going to believe God, and you're going to confess only truth, okay? Yeah. Are you with me? So if you're sitting in here with an unsafe soul, and your, your eyebrows are up right now going, hmm, maybe that's me. Step one is complete, all right? So uh, verse 22, he's following this up now. He, this, gets, this gets heavy, right? This is deep. This is hard for us to understand and read because he is talking about things that hit us, that kick us right in the wheelhouse. 
right? It's hard because this is where life is. This is where we fail as Christians because of the authentic faith. We say amen, and then, you know, Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, we're laying hands on people. We're believing God. It's great. And Tuesday afternoon, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? We got to sell the car. We got to sell our children. We got to move. We'll live in the van. I don't know. Where did the faith go that you had on Sunday? That's because you separate out from this environment. And we're supposed to be spirit-led, and we've got to control this soul and push it down and say, I'm not listening to you. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have God's thoughts instead of my thoughts. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe what it says. I'm not going to be moved by what I hear, what I see, or what's happening in my life. Right? So... Where are we here? Verse 22. Now listen to what he says. He says, um, but because of all this wickedness and stuff, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Doers of the word. Here we go. This is always fun. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, remember, we're talking about faith, and so is he in controlling your soul, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. This is the mirror, okay? <clears throat> and he says, uh, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. How simple can it be? Here's, here's the thing. We're praying the prayer of faith. We're believing God with authentic faith that God is who he is, we're putting our faith in him. We're putting our faith in the word that we're saying. That's looking into the mirror with a need, okay? That's what he's talking about. And when we lose our mind on Tuesday because we don't know what to do, we are forgetting who we are in Christ because we're looking in the mirror and getting a promise and we're losing it, so we're forgetting about it by Tuesday. It's exactly what he's saying here. He, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what the word says. I think a lot of times, I think the devil gets too much credit. I think we're just, we're just weak and we're, we don't know how to do this. That's why we're sitting in this basement today. Because we're learning how to walk in faith and stay there. Don't you want to stay there? Wouldn't it be great, great to just live in this environment forever? Just be like, oh, this is great. I'm spirit led. And then, you know, you get one phone call and or one letter from the IRS, and everything goes right out the window. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Right? So let's keep going here. He says, listen to this one. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, talking about the word of God, and continues in it. Look at your neighbor and say, you should continue in it. <laughs> and is not a forgetful hearer, Right? I would encourage all of you to have a journal. And then when we lay hands or if somebody prays for you and they pray the prayer of faith, and hopefully our staff, when they pray, is going to pray some scripture over you, whether it's by Jesus stripes are healed, God's going to meet every need, whatever it is, I, you need to be writing these things down so when the, when the fruition of this faith prayer comes, you can say, wow, look at that. God has moved, and I'm not going to forget, and I'm going to continue in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in all he does, or she does, right? When we have it, we got it. We're not going to forget, and that's a continual life. And let me just throw this in there, this two cents, that secret place is the best place to bring up What's your God? And, and, you know, we can pray the Acts prayer, adoration, uh, what is the ACT confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, right? Well, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, adoration, thank you, Father, you're so awesome, you're so good, you're so faithful, right? Confession, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm stupid, I missed that, I can't even believe it. And I thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Thank you, Father, for always having my back. Thank you, Father, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, thanksgiving, right? The finger, and then supplication. Lord, thanks for meeting my needs. Father, I'm going to remind you what your word says. 
You said you'll supply every need. You said you'll, you'll take care of, of all my stuff, Lord, and I got some stuff, and I really need you right now. If you write these things down and look back at them, you can go, look, I didn't forget. Yeah. I did what James said, and, and it's every day. For me, it's all day, every day. Because if I get off the rails a little bit and this crap that I deal with every day gets in my soul, it's, it's just collapse time. It collapses everywhere. Every area of my life just collapses because I'm not held up by what this says anymore. And stuff gets in my mind and I start thinking, like Judith's book over there, Mind Traps. Well, here's what I do. I'll start projecting. It'll be like, oh, Tina, Tina's sitting here in the front. She looks bored. Uh, she must be going to leave the church. She's going to stop giving, and then we're going to lose her, and we're going to lose her whole family and all her friends and take everybody with her. That's projecting, and it's a sin. Don't take this the wrong way, but shut up. <laughs> Get control of your emotions. Because when your emotions run, your mind follows it. It's like, okay, where are we going? oh, we're going to go over here and have a pity party, and I'm going to feel bad, and I can't measure up, and I'm just not as cool as Dave. You know, I just don't have a house like Dave, and I can't be cool like Javier and, and Jimmy, and I wish I was young like those guys. It's like, shut up! <laughs> just shut the hell up! It's okay! You'll be okay! You are you because that's who God made. Amen. He didn't make me to be like him. Because then there would be two hymns, and that's way too much for everybody. <laughs> All right. Amen. Here's another thing that, that our mind, when our soul's involved, it's not just projecting. There comes this thing called comparison. Now I want to be, you know, I want to be cool like Michelle. I want to pray like Michelle, you know? I want to have a shirt like Noel because <laughs> I'm cool like that, right? But here's, you bring comparison, and it's, you're nullifying everything. And these are all things that are just a disaster in your life when your soul's involved because you're never going to be the same. You be you. Let's leave that alone. Let's keep going here. Verse, uh, turn over to chapter 2. Verse 14, keep going here. Whew, is anybody else hot? <laughs> All right, he says this, verse 14. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Remember, now here we're going to get complicated because now we're going to take the faith that we believe and the prayer of faith that we had, and we're going to inject some works. And we're not talking about being good because all this stuff that when we qualify for the blessing of God, blessing of God is not by performance, mm -hmm. right? It's by position. It's because of who we are, not because of what we do. The works that we're talking about when he says be a doer of the word is, is your faith being shown by the way you're acting by the way, you're talking or not talking, in my case, because my mouth is my biggest weapon against defeat, right? How are you producing? What are you producing with your mouth that's making it sound like you are walking by faith? That's a doer of the word. That's, that's what he's talking about, right? So he goes on. He says, uh, not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, he clearly explains what a doer of the word is. And none of you says to him, or one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? That's not works. That's just like sayonara. Don't want to be bothered with you. Okay? That, that works if we have faith in who Jesus is, we're going to help that person. That's what he's saying. Thus, uh, he says, uh, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead or actionless. Is your faith having action? Is there, are you doing something to, to help show that you have this faith, right? This is where works comes from. Is it... Um, is an effective faith. Verse 18, but if someone, if someone will say, have you faith 
and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, right? Your faith should be evidenced by something, even if it's shutting up, right? Your faith that you're producing should be produce, your faith should be producing some kind of work, okay? We're going to get more about this in a minute. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, he's writing to Christians who are saved. Faith is, having faith is just not an empty profession of like, okay, I believe God. That's my worst thing. It, it just chaps me like crazy. I believe in God. Really? I don't see any works involved with your believing God, so take that term and remove it from your vocabulary because you're not believing God. You're just saying that, right? Because if you're believing God, you're going to have faith, number one, in God. You're going to have a promise that you're standing on, and your, your language and your body language is going to tell me you're standing in faith today, okay? And, and that's the biggest trip and fall hazard for, for Christians everywhere, right? It's like, I'm believing God. Well, are you? Well, you know, are, are we? So it, it's hard, right? Now, he's given us clear examples of faith and works. If you see a homeless person and, and you just pray and send that person on their way, that's not works. Works is helping that person, getting them lunch, helping them a ride, doing this, doing that. Those are works. Do those works get you into heaven? No. But they prove you have faith of God in your heart, right? It's not a works-based mentality with what we have, right? Verse 19, I think we're at. He says, if you believe that there is one God, you do well. That's what I was just saying. We all believe that there's a God, right? Even the demons believe and tremble. Isn't that interesting? But you do not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. That word dead at the end there, literally useless. Unless you're producing faith with your works, it's useless. So when you believe God and somebody lays hands on you, you are now on the line to produce faith by what you're doing. Not just walking out going, oh, this is great. It's like, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to walk it out. I've got the promise, and I'm going to produce this thing in my life. That's how you do it. It's not just a, well, you know, magic show or something. This is how faith works. The, our words show the genuineness of what we profess. Right? Our words should. It's not a confess 73 times that God will meet my need. That's not going to help you saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust everything about you, and I'm leaving this alone, keeping it out of my soul. I'm going to keep it right here in the spiritual realm where I have some say. Because in the soul realm, you've got to shut that thing off, right? Even the devil believes, right? And then he talks about Abraham, and he says this. He says, uh, the scriptures were, and the scriptures, oh my gosh, and the scripture was fulfilled, which is Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. He's talking about when Abraham laid him on the altar. That was his work showing his faith. Oh, there's a sheep. We'll cut that thing up instead. Right? God showed up at the time. But Abraham, because he was, uh, it was accounted to him for righteousness, he laid eyes. He was doing it. There was no looking back. Right? And then he talks about Rahab, and he says, um, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? She, you know, out the window with the strap and the thing, and, you know, when they showed up, when the, the two spies showed up, she's like, where have you been for 40 years? And we saw what God did. Remember how you get faith? By seeing something or hearing something. Faith comes by hearing. Rahab heard what Israel did to the Egyptian army or what God did to the Egyptian army, and she's like, where have you been? We've been waiting. We know you're coming to kill us. And so <laughs> she's like, my, my faith says that you're going to help us. So she helps them out the window, and out they go. That was her works, okay? So then look at verse, uh, she, she received uh, uh, verse 26. He says, as for the body without the spirit is dead, so is uh, faith without works is 
dead. Talking, about, you ever been to a funeral with an open casket? They don't really do them so much anymore because it's expensive. But my dad died in 1976, and they had an open casket, and they had it open there. And I, I remember clearly, like yesterday, I was standing there looking at him, and I was like, "That looks like him," but the the part of him that was him was gone. And that's what James is talking about. If we have faith, but no works or no follow-up behind it, it's like a, what good's a dead body? Because of what that body was is gone. It's just worthless. And that's what our faith is when we're not operating by works after. That there's no proof that this is what we believe. Does that make sense? So let's make it practical for a second. In Philippians chapter 4, we see, we see this prayer. Paul's talking to the church. This is before what we talked about earlier. And he says in verse 6, now, this is clearly on your handout. This is the practical side of praying the prayer of faith and then standing after, okay? So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, remember Acts, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, huh, well, that would help, wouldn't it? After the amen and the prayer of faith, having some peace of God involved, which surpasses all understanding. So we've prayed the prayer of faith, and we're standing in faith, and we're going we're gonna to guard our heart with the, uh, uh, guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's going to blow our mind. So basically what Paul's saying here, Number one, be anxious for nothing. You have to let it go. And essentially, he's saying in all three of these, keep it out of your soul. Don't let your mind start grinding on it. Don't let your, your, your emotions get involved, because if that happens, the peace of God is going to be gone. You're going to be wound up tighter than a drum, and you're going to be wringing your hands and pacing and wearing out your carpet, and you'll have to buy a new carpet. You'll have to believe God for that. It's a whole long thing. The stick with what the Bible says, right? So be anxious by, uh, for nothing. No worrying. You can't worry about this thing. And tell, let me just say, this is not easy to put something over here and not worry about it. Especially if it's like a rent or, a, you know, how am I going to do this? Or how are we going to get this? And we need this. Or we're going to lose our house. Or, you know, stuff with this COVID thing's crazy. You know, people are not working and... Everybody's wound up a little tight, right? We got to pray the prayer of faith and leave it alone. That's the number two. Let your request be known to God. That's the prayer of faith. We're praying this thing, and we're going to leave it alone. And the last one is guard your heart. And I want you to notice very carefully how he says to guard your heart. Jesus. Every time you think that you want this to get in your soul, you have to put up a shield of faith that's called Jesus. Because he says clearly in that last verse, he says, we'll guard your hearts and minds through Jesus. So as soon as those thoughts come where you think you need to jump on them, you pull up that shield and say, Jesus got this. Jesus has got this. And Jesus has got this. Now you're walking it out because you're believing that Jesus is going to guard your heart and your mind. The enemy, what's a, you know, get control of your mind, you get control of your life. And if you guard your heart with Christ Jesus, you're already one leg up on everybody. Does that make sense to you? Everybody good? Let me just share real quick. I know you heard this story before, but when we uh, were talking about faith, so we decided that we were going to plant the church. The Lord laid it on, on, on our hearts and a 21-day fast in, like, 2012. And we decided to do this, and we didn't know anything about it. Didn't, you know, we were great uh, number, you know, it was great assistant pastor, and, you know, I could fill in and do whatever, but, like, being the senior guy. And really, it was just us and our kids, you know? And, and you know, we started telling people about it, and they're like, Haha, Utah, good luck with that one. You know, you should go to Birmingham or Texas because that's where people love Jesus. <clears throat> but anyway, so we're, we're putting this together, and we're looking at, you know, what's it going to take for this? What's it going to take for that? We're going to have to move, you know? And, and we're doing all these things, and we're counting the cost, and I'm like, 
I didn't know they made numbers that big. You know, it was like, yeah. where are we going to get this kind of money that, that is going to, you know, God's thing? And, and I started, I let this thing get into my soul. And, and I was pacing. And we, you know, we had already talked to our pastor about it. At the time, we were working at two different churches, and we talked to both pastors about it, and they were like, yeah, that's, you guys fit. You, that'd be great. And I'm like, all right, faith is coming, right? Faith is coming. And, and we're, we're starting to get this thing together. And, <laughs> and here's the thing. Now we're committed because we're telling people that this is what we're going to do, right? And it's like, all right, this is great. What are we going to do now? <laughs> we're committed to this thing. We're stuck. And everybody's like, yeah, go with this. And they set a date, and we came to Salt Lake City, and we walked around. We we're both in tears crying. Oh, this is good. This is it. This is where we're going to be. We're going to do this. And, 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 and the whole time, I'm, I'm just freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, well, how in the world are we going to do this? And, and, and at that time, we're moving. We're committed. We sold our stuff. Everything that was left, we put into a truck. And we are moving from Southern California to Salt Lake City with no jobs, a savings account, no place to live, nothing. We were driving to, to St. George and spending the night. And I got to tell you, I looked real cool on the outside, but I was freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And, you know, thank God I got a great co-pastor. She's like... We got, this is fun. She loves this stuff. For spur of the moment, sell everything, let's go. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're going to die. Nobody's going to follow us and all this stuff. And I was freaking out. And we got here and, you know, uh, we got into a place and we're living and she got a job and Joel got a job and I didn't. So I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do? But here, look at how the enemy works. He got in my soul, in my head. He was like, you're never going to make it. You're never going to do it, you know? And, and in the meantime, we're going to other churches, and we're hearing how stinking hard it is to do church here. And we have all this training from art that's not working. It's like it doesn't work here because it's 98% LDS, right? And it's just like, I'm like freaking out. And, I, and I'm like, I, I just set a date. She was working. Joel was, everybody's, I was home alone. And, and I just opened the binder that we had with all the numbers in it. And I got my Bible. And I said, God, we're working this out today. I'm like rolling up my sleeves. Where I'm, we're not leaving until somebody just tells us something. And I, I got after it. I was praying. I was praying. I was pacing, you know, and I was, I was doing all this stuff. I was in it. I'm like, God, we're not leaving. I'm not leaving until there's an answer here. And then finally, the, the Lord spoke to me. Finally, after months of all this, of just being torn up on the inside. And God said, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm praying, God, I'm praying through. Don't you understand? <laughs> He's like, what's praying through mean? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just what she says. I'm, I don't know what that means. I, don't, I didn't, still don't know what that means. I'm praying through. We're here. I'm on my face. I can manufacture some tears. I'm dying here. Listen to what God said to me. That day changed everything with our church. And everything just happens. You know, if you get your soul uninvolved. God said this to me. He said, sounds to me, just by hearing you pray and, and weep for the last little bit, you're trying to talk me into doing what my promises already said I've done. And I was like, what? He said, you're trying to talk me into something that's already done. That doesn't, why are you doing that? That's why I'm asking, what are you doing? I'm like, huh. He's like, my promises are yes and amen, and they're true. You don't have to talk me into it. You don't have to pray it, you know, for days and all this stuff. The promises are already done. And, and he, then I said, Lord, I've had so, so far in unbelief, I can't, even, I can't do this, I'm not worthy. And he's, he's like, how dare you say you're not worthy? Yeah. 
Timothy says it's a fight. Ephesians says stand. God's promises are true. Jesus died for all this stuff. And for us to, to talk against it or, or say we're not worthy or try to talk God into what his promises are, that's a waste of time. How many of us as Christians waste our time praying for promises that are already accomplished when we can declare and claim and walk by faith and keep it out of this area and keep it in this area? It was one of the hardest lessons that I ever had to learn. You don't have to talk me into keeping my word. It's not by performance. It's by position. How dare we speak against the promises of God when the work has been accomplished, just like Isaac laid, or Abraham laid Isaac on the, on the altar, God the Father laid Jesus on the altar. So we can have this. All that stuff that Abraham did gave us the promises that we can walk in. One of the greatest truths in all of the Bible. Let this hit your heart today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to talk God into honoring his word. It's been done. And it's not going to look like it's done. It's not going to sound like it's done. All your Christian friends are going to help you not think it's done. But let me just say something. Shut your mouth and stand on this and just believe. Remember what Jesus told them. Believe. You know, he told J. Iris when his daughter was, they said, the Christian people came and said, why are you bothering the master? She's dead. What Jesus say? Don't worry about them. Just believe. If we're going to walk in authentic faith, we just have to believe. We don't have to talk God into it. We don't have to do anything. And then we're going to follow it up by acting like it's done. Faith is, is kind of an act, really. Because you look at what Jesus did, right? We get, we get our mind renewed to what God said, and you look at what Jesus did, look what, how Jesus healed people. Talk about works, faith and works. What did Jesus, he said to almost everybody that was healed, like the man with the withered hand, what did he say? Stretch out your hand. To the paralytic, come down through the roof, get up on your feet, Right? Pick up your mat and walk, he said. To the crippled guy, get up on your feet. And he told the blind guy, what did he tell the blind guy? Go wash in the pool. So there's always, there's faith, and then there's corresponding action to it. We have to walk this thing out. Without it, your faith without corresponding actions is the dead guy laying in the casket. It's over. It's over. But how many of you know God's mercy is truth, right? Grace and truth run together, and it's ours, right? The greatest lie that you're ever going to be taught is that you are what you were. That's the biggest lie. He's going to attack who you are when in all actuality, you are what you do. Do this, faith by works, doing this, and you're going to walk into the blessings of God. Remember James in, in verse 25? He says, this one will be blessed in all he does. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Don't give up. Doesn't matter what it looks like. We're not moved by what we see. We're moved by what we do and what we believe and who we are in Jesus. Let's all stand together. Action always brings results. Remember, uh, I'm always intrigued by the 10 lepers, right? And they're standing way over there. And what did Jesus say? You're healed. Then he said, the corresponding action, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Corresponding actions to your faith keeps it authentic keeps it operating, keeps it moving. Don't give up, man. 
don't give up. Keep it out of this. And you'll know when you're sliding over into this because you're gonna, you'll start doing this. What are we gonna do? 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 Shut up. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna shut up. And we're gonna believe God. That's how this works. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, Father, our faith with corresponding actions is alive. That's the stuff that moves mountains. That's the stuff that raises the dead. That's the stuff where sickness must flee, where pain has to vacate the area. Oh, I love that song. It says, when you walk into the room, Lord, sickness flees, death must flee in the name of Jesus. So, Father, these in this place today and everybody under the sound of my voice on the stream and wherever, Father, we declare faith on these people. We declare faith and faith that is by doers of the word. And Lord, for any need in this place today, Father, we're going to attach faith to it. And we're going to knock it out today. And we're going to follow it up by doing what the word says. Lord, we thank you for the position that we're in as believers to receive and to walk by faith and not by sight. To be the head and not the tail. To be above and not below. Lord, we listen to your voice today, God. We're not going to listen to our boss. We're not going to listen to our coworker. We're not going to be moved by what they say, what they do. We're going to be moved by what the word of God says. Because you are my God. You are my God. Say that to Jesus. You are my God. You are my God. I believe your word. I walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this place today, you want to rededicate your life. I think we're all home family. It's been that way for a couple weeks. But if you want to pray with somebody or if you want to uh, rededicate your life to Christ, just stick your hand up so I can see it. Anybody, anywhere? Everybody's good? Amen. Anybody have a prayer concern today? We can knock it out. We'll add our faith to yours. You'll walk by faith and not by sight. We're talking about authentic faith. Amen. Anybody anywhere? Hallelujah. Well, amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Happy Father's Day to all of you in this place, all the daddies. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the South Jordan, West Jordan, Harriman, or Riverton area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. Because of the recent events with COVID-19, we are meeting in Harriman temporarily until our new building is ready. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children and student environments, head over to thebridgelive.org or you can email info at thebridgelive.org or simply text 801-391-6969.